0: Hi, it's great to be with you today. My name's Ellie and this is Johnny. Um, we're gonna be speaking together today on Pentecost. We're so excited about um, speaking to you today about the Holy Spirit um, and celebrating Pentecost with you. Um, we're gonna get straight into it. Johnny is gonna to read to us from Acts 2 um, and then we're gonna get going.
1: Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to this. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the passage goes on, um, don't want to read all of it, but to, to be the, the most amazing kind of opening sermon of uh, of the church and, and, and the, the responses that, 3,000 people come to give their life um, to the Lord. And today, Ellie and I were going to really, I think as I was we were reflecting on it, feeling a sense of um, the simplicity and the challenge of the story. Simple, because really all it is, is the Holy Spirit falls on the early church and empowers them. The challenge, we don't live it. And so um, we've just got two points, really. Pentecost is about the presence of God and Pentecost is about the power of God. And Ellie's going to kick us off by um, talking a little bit about what it means that God's presence comes to us at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then I'm going to kind of um, think a little bit about what it means for, for us to live and walk out in the Lord's power and then we're going to land by just talking a bit about the story stories of power and and inviting the Holy Spirit to fall Um, so over to you Ellie
0: thanks brilliant so I want to start with a question as we get going I want to ask you what is the best dinner party that you have ever been to and you know the one that I'm talking about the nights that you don't want to end, the dinners where the table that you sit around feels like home, where the stories roll on all night and you laugh until it hurts, where you would eat and drink the meal a thousand times over. And maybe what we know as we think about those nights is that actually the best dinners are not really about the food or the wine, but they're actually about the people that we spend them with. You know, I was thinking as I was preparing this and thinking about this, the same friends that my parents used to invite round for Friday night dinners when my sister and I were little and we would listen from our rooms upstairs as there was laughter downstairs. They're the same friends that my parents are still inviting around 25 years later because round the table is where we build relationships. And you know that old saying, you'll miss it when it's gone. And we know more than ever right now what it feels like to miss that, for it to be gone. My kitchen table at the moment feels too empty. We are aching to make some more of those memories for a few more of those nights around the table with old friends and making new ones. And you know, there's this moment in the history of God's people, the Israelites, when they face the deep grief of a deserted table when the guest leaves them. And for them it wasn't the kitchen table, but it was the temple. See, the temple in the Old Testament among the Jewish people hosted the presence of God. It was the place where his glory dwelt, the holiest of holies. In the very inner courts they could only be entered once a year by a designated priest. Such was the glory of God that dwelt there. And God's presence was essential because the Israelite people understood that it was what set them apart as God's people. His presence was the source of life for them, their source of joy. And yet, despite his presence in the midst of them, the great big building that they had built to honour and host him, despite his presence with them, the Israelites couldn't hold on to the laws that had marked them out as God's people. They were an unfaithful people. Over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament, we see the story of God's people is actually one of unfaithfulness, of chasing after other gods, of looking for a way for themselves to be satisfied, to be filled, for their passions to be satiated. Over and over again, they put their trust in kings and princes and idols and other nations and alliances in sex and money and power. This dinner party that God invites them to isn't enough for them, and they go looking for a better meal. And so eventually, the guest, the presence of God, departs from the temple. And in Ezekiel 10, it says these heartbreaking words, as the prophet declares, Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house. The party ends, and the table falls quiet but we follow a God who never breaks his promise, and he is eternally faithful to us, so that when he makes a covenant, he keeps it, and He sealed it in his blood. He keeps the covenant for us that we cannot keep for ourselves, which is why in the next chapter of Ezekiel, in chapter 11, when God speaks through the prophet, he says, I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put in them, And his ultimate plan is not to dwell amongst us in a building or in a box. But his plan is to set up home and to live within us. We become the temple. Paul writes to the early church in Corinth these amazing words in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And he says this, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple do you know that today you are God's holy temple and if you know Jesus God's spirit dwells in you I have moaned a lot over the last couple of months about zoom (laughs) I am NOT technically literate which Johnny would be able to tell you from our call today, setting this up. But I am thankful for it. I'm thankful that we can see one another. I'm thankful that I've been able to learn how to play boggle online with my friends. Um, I can chat to my mum while she bakes. I can see my nephews. We can stay connected as a church. But it is nothing compared to what it feels like to sit round a table with you, to embrace, to bundle with my nephews to welcome people round my kitchen table. And it, and it's not a good enough analogy, but it's the closest thing that I can find that explains that the father feels the same way. It wasn't close enough for him. He didn't just want to dwell amongst his people. He's not interested in a Zoom call where he can wave at you through a screen and give you instructions for life. He wants to dwell in you. He wanted to come and give life to his people, transformational life, to write his law on their hearts. He wants to make us one with him, to give us his eternal, beating, life-giving spirit. He wants to be closer than breath. When we celebrate Pentecost, we're celebrating a gift that's been given to us. And this first tangible outpouring of God's spirit after Jesus' ascension, it's this moment when the reality of what Jesus won for us on the cross, when the depth of his love that led him to Calvary is poured out into the hearts of man. The spirit makes us one and makes us church. And it empowers us, as Johnny's going to share about in a few moments. The spirit that makes us day by day the people that God made us to be. A reflection of his glory. And his spirit always points away from himself and towards the love of the Father for us. And this love isn't Valentine love. It's not fuzzy, nice, warm feeling love. This is life-changing, transformational, adventurous, radical, holy, beautiful, crazy love pentecost first and foremost is an act of love it's the presence of a god who wants to be with you and for you to be built into one body his church i've um the last week or so i've been listening a lot to a a new album by a songwriter called pat barrett and um he writes in this song i am held these words i'm not going to sing them for you but this is what he says he says made for communion I am the branch and you are the vine, my heart is a table, you are the bread and you are the wine. I am so longing for my kitchen table to be full again. You are all invited, (laughs) maybe on a rotor system. Um, I'm excited for the sound of laughter around the table again to clink glasses and welcome in. But the wonderful truth is that even in these days of restriction, in these days of physical loss and grief and aching, my heart, your heart is made to be a table and the spirit comes to dwell here with a feast for you. And when we host his presence, when we welcome him, there is always a table, there is always a spread, there is always enough of him for you. And so the question is, will you welcome him? Will you host him? Will you make room for him in your heart today? Will you ask him to come and sit with you to pour out the love of the Father into your heart? I mentioned right at the beginning the dinner parties that my parents would throw when we were little on Friday nights. And um, obviously we couldn't go because it was too late and we were too little. But my mum started this unofficial and yet what became sacred tradition in our family that she would always make enough pudding so that... There was enough for us to have for breakfast on Saturday mornings that has continued long into adulthood I might add pudding for breakfast there was always enough for us and we got to taste a bit of the goodness of those parties you see this table this spread and this outpouring of God's presence in your heart it's not just for you there's always an abundance that's not just pudding left over, but that there's room at the table because we host his presence in order that we might carry his love and his joy to a hurting and a broken world. Who need to taste it, who need to know the goodness of God, his healing love, and his redemptive power. And I'm gonna hand over to Johnny to talk to us more about that.
1: Before we um Continue, just spend a second, a few a few, a few seconds just pausing and acknowledging um, the Lord's presence here now. Because he is here. And that is the glory of what has been done at the cross that the temple curtain has been torn into. And he is with you in your living room, in your bedroom. He is here. But what I love about um, the Pentecost story is that the sign of God's presence is marked by fire. That tongues of fire fall down. And there is a call on us as a community to be a community that burns. To be a community that burns with the power and the love of God There's a temptation to settle for cultural Anglicanism, nice kids, comfy life, no swearing, whatever. But the call on the church is to be a church that burns. Pentecost is a bigger vision. It's a vision of God's presence and his transforming power coming and changing our lives. It's a vision of fires sparking, of us as a community being, each being kind of little fire starters who crackle and burn in our communities and our, our nation. It's a vision of redemption and it's a vision of eternity. Pentecost says we live in a historic moment. Peter gets up. To preach and he speaks of the Lord's power. He says, In that day I will pour out my spirit, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will dream dreams, and your old men will dream will, will see visions, and we now live in the day that the prophet longed for. We have that privilege. That is what Peter was saying at Pentecost, that we live in the days the prophets longed for. Just just sit there and think about that. We live in the days the prophets long for where God's presence is made manifest in our communities, in our churches, where His fire falls down, and we are to know him saying that He loves us, that he delights in us, that we can know him, and that he longs to change both our lives. And the lives of those around us. We stand on holy ground. Let's not waste our lives. He's worth it. You know, Peter went from denying Jesus. And a few weeks later, he's preaching the most powerful sermon there's ever been. And the, there's just something about the way that the Lord takes a ragtag bunch of kind of misfits, people like Matthew, who is a tax collector and reviled by the community, and he transforms them from the inside out. It's a picture of hope. I love it. Um, you know, some of you will have been to Soul Survivor um, and heard Mike Pilavacci preach on night. Nigel always thought he was hilarious because he, like, captures the comical nature of uh, some of the the disciples' reactions and their the stupid questions, and it it really is just like an important point to make that that God he takes I mean Paul Paul writes he he takes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. But it's it's his power and his presence in us that is the thing that, that affects the change. It's, it's the fire that falls. And are we, are we hungry for more? Are we going to allow him to set that spark in us? Are we going to lay our lives down? Because, you know, um, it's easy to forget that we live... Actually, in a fairly unique historic moment in our in our portion of the church as well, the Azusa Street revival in 1906 sparked probably the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the world has seen in the last 2,000 years. Pentecostalism has seen more people, and not just Pentecostalism as a denomination, but the kind of charismatic renewal movement has seen more people come to faith um, than any other, I think. The Chinese church has erupted, the Indian church has erupted, the African churches have erupted, and and even in in, in the UK we've seen um, we've seen an outpouring of the Holy Spirit unlike anything that we've seen in the last thousand years. And and you read I I read a really good book by a guy called Father um, Raniero Cantamalesa, who is the preacher to the Pope, and he, he described that he thinks the Lord is doing something unique in our time. And the thing that I think we forget or we, we don't realise how exceptional it is that we live in that era. And that we live in an era where it's assumed that you might, you might prophesy or that you might. And then we don't practice it. We, we take it for granted. And I just think the Lord, the Lord they're described as spiritual gifts for a reason. Because they're a gift. They're for our edification therefore building us up therefore and and the 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 power of the spirit comes and it it makes us fall more in love with Jesus and it and he equips us the holy Spirit of God he equips us to be the lord's hands and his feet and just to give you a, a little sense i think of of quite how wonderful and exceptional um the moment we are in, is. I, I wanted to share this video that me and Connor took with our grandparents over Christmas. Um, and, and, and in it, they, they described, so Grandad, when he was a, um, a student at theological college, he he wrote here an essay on why the gifts of the spirit had stopped. He then went on to, um, to All Souls Langham Place, John Stott's church, to be a curate. And he had an encounter with a man called Brother Ted and I, um, I now want to just like, uh, leave you to watch the video because it is quite something the way that the Holy Spirit really kind of interrupted uh, the church establishment in our country.
2: And I got talking to um, an American, a big burly American, who was called Brother Ted. And I remember he had one of those Bibles and it had in embossed in Boston gold Bro Ted on it, which is, I think, rather typical of the man. And um, I was anxious that, you know, from the beginning of our conversation, that he shouldn't be under any delusion, that I hadn't particularly experienced this downpouring of the Holy Spirit Mm. and uh, and new language and things like that. So I said I hadn't um, uh, received this experience myself. And he said, "Do you want it now or later?" And I thought this was an extraordinary thing to say. So I said, "What? What did you say?" And he said, "Do you want it now or later?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I didn't sort of quite see it uh, like like that." But uh, <laughs> and I remember, But then there flashed into my mind the words of. Oh, the prayer of Augustine who said, who once prayed a prayer that he then knew that he couldn't pray, make me pure, but not yet. Mm. And he realized that that's really not a prayer that anybody is entitled to (laughs) pray. And all that thought went through my mind at that moment. Mm. So I said, well, I'd be happy to discuss it with you, uh, if you like. So we, we, he, Brother Ted, and I adjourned to a little inner vestry mm. at All Souls, which was not used very much. Right, There was a, a main big vestry, mm. it was quite a big room, and then there was this little room, and we went and sat down there, and he said, um, and we talked about it for just a short time, and I think he might have said it again, well, do you want it now or later? Mm. And and then he um uh he passed me the um a, a New Testament and said, I'll have I remember his words, I'll have you read Acts 20. So I I read uh, uh Paul sat in his in his hard house preaching the gospel to all who came to him, with uh none hindering him. Hmm. And uh and I looked up at Brother Ted and said, I didn't, uh, as if to say, I didn't see very much about the <laughs> outpouring of the Spirit here. And he said, and "He said, Can't you see it? Uh, uh, there's no full stop. There's no amen. There was no, sorry, he said, There's no amen. And then it, it flashed on me that what he meant was, that all this that had been going on in the New Testament up to Acts 28:20 20, uh, wasn't didn't stop, mm. and indeed it went on uh, afterwards. And that there was no amen. And so he said, um, uh, "I'll uh, pray for you," and um, and then he he prayed for me. I think he put a hand on me, and he, and he said, "Just say hallelujah." <laughs> <laughs> so, so he prayed, prayed something, I can't remember what he, what he prayed, and I said hallelujah and, uh, about twice, and then it turned into a, a strange feeling. I felt a, something strange, uh, uh, sort of new kind of struggling within, kept bubbling to the surface, and it bubbled out into a new language. Yeah. And that, that was the moment um, at about midday, uh, midday about between twelve and one uh, when um, I first encountered the Holy Spirit in this new way mm. and we, we stayed and talked only a little while and then I felt my first thought was uh, that Cynthia must be in on this. Mm. So I said would you um, be able to come round to our flat which is quarter of an hour's walk away and uh, tell Cynthia about this and pray for her. Mm -hmm. And he said, sure. So we walked together, which is quite a little way through the streets to a street called Nottingham Place, close to Madame Tussauds, for those of you who know London. Um, And uh, we went in and we went up the rather narrow stairs. Mm -hmm. And uh, into our very small flat there and uh, he came in and when he came in he sniffed (sighs) and then he came to me and he said not ready. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he was just introduced uh, Cynthia but there was not much point in him staying Mm. so we then walked all the way back to ourselves and everybody was still talking there and uh, I I then went walk back back to our um, flat and uh, so Cynthia, we might might have had a sandwich or something I'm not sure, but we talked and we were a bit bit disappointed, and I felt disinclined to leave it at that. Mm. Uh, it was, I mean it, it was my, uh, my only hope of of sort of seeing I didn't expect to see Brother Ted again <laughs> in this life. So, I then walked back again through the streets to, to All Souls, where the meeting was, and I said, uh, would you be willing to come, come out again and see whether things might be ready? And so we then walked all the same way again, 15 20 minutes, uh, to our flat, and we climbed up the stairs, slightly gloomy stairs They were at Nottingham Place, ali's wow. um uh, little buggy would have been in the hall. Mm-hmm. We went up the stairs. we went in, and he took another deep breath, and he said, Ready <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> and he prayed, but he, he said, "Just just just say hallelujah. and so she she tentatively and um, quite quietly said Hallelujah and then she the holy Spirit fell down on her and she spoke in a new language. I anyway. think following this, we didn't feel we had now sort of arrived and got there. Not at all. I, I think I just felt I'd suddenly seen a whole new area mm. of the Christian life. It was like coming to um, round a corner and mm. seeing the possibility of so much more to and enter into. The road looked look wider. Mm. Uh, uh, all that was possible, um, rather than that mm. we got there. We didn't feel that at all. Mm. We saw how much more there was.
1: I love that. That there, there was so much more to enter into, and the road seemed wider. And you know that that's that's the heart of what Pentecost is. Um, the spiritual road seems wider. Our access to God's presence and his power and our knowledge that he transforms lives from the inside out just grows and and it is so exciting I I know for me um encounters with the Holy Spirit have changed my life um and I know so many people I've got a little um my one of my projects because I I easily forget what the Lord does has been to write a little testimony book where I've interviewed lots of people and i just love that i just love it the way that the spirit consistently again and again um meets people and shows him their love his love and we just wanted to share with you so ellie and i um before it's we were in a church in richmond ellie knew me when i was a lanky 14 year old um who wore ill fitting hoodies uh but and she, uh but ellie while we were there she was my youth leader, while we were there, it's uh, uh, set up a charity called Riverbank, and they just saw the Lord do some really wonderful things in the lives of um, young people and the most vulnerable in our community. And so i just love to ask girls, what what would you, just talk us through what the Spirit did.
0: Yeah, um, well, I guess, Riverbank really it came about because I, a friend of mine uh, really challenged me I sort of early on days of when I would become a Christian um, or really come back to faith I was working as a social worker in southeast London and I used to go and sit on my friend's sofa and sort of go nothing works like don't see change like it's really hard to see sort of real deep transformation in, in sort of really broken situations and um i just remember her going well ellie you, you know why because it takes the holy spirit to really change us and it was like this real light bulb moment of going yeah i do know that i know that in my own life that my heart was transformed when i was filled with the spirit like i you know and that's an ongoing process but actually yes why would i expect any different of that from anyone else Um, And actually the people that I was working with and the families that I was um, spending time with they needed to know the love of God but also the power of the Spirit at work in their lives and so Riverbank was kind of founded on that that sort of theology I guess and that understanding it was founded on this stuff in Acts 2 that actually we need an outpouring of the Spirit Um, and there are so so many stories of just amazing transformation, but one of the ones that I was uh, thinking about the other day was uh, a woman that um, I worked with for a long time. She she was in our church for many years um, and she had had a really really difficult past um, and had been quite significantly abused and rejected and as a result it really affected her life and her ability to be able to socialize and it often felt like she was sort of living a, a sort of half-life really of um she just existed in many ways. Um but I was really thinking about the fact that we just we loved her and a huge part of 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 what we believed and what we felt God called us to was to just carry his presence and to demonstrate his love to the women, particularly that we were working with. Um riverbank was all about supporting vulnerable families and vulnerable single mums she was a single mum um and we just spent time with her and over a period of sort of seven or eight years kind of just befriended her and spent time with her and was there in the difficult times always telling her about jesus and offering to pray for her and then we had this sort of extraordinary time probably about a year before i moved on and left and uh, she God just really started to do something in her and she became really curious about the Holy Spirit and she said you know I know about Jesus and I know about God but I don't not really sure that I've been filled with his spirit and so if I'm honest we sort of went about it in this quite clinical way and my friend my colleague and I sort of we scheduled an appointment and she came in and we said right we're going to we're going to pray, a bit like they did in Acts 2, you know, they, they just said, come Holy Spirit, and they laid on hands, and that, and you see that throughout the New Testament, that that's what they did. Um, and I'll never forget, sitting in this room with this woman, and and she prayed, you know, come Holy Spirit, she asked him to come into her heart, and it's really difficult to explain, but I just remember thinking I'm watching somebody fall in love with Jesus. Like, I'm just... It was just extraordinary, and she just, you know, she cried for a long time. And sort of seeing just, I think, a lot of pain be released. But actually, she just—I saw her heart just completely open um, to Jesus, and she walked out of that room a transformed lady. And if, you know, I'm, I'm really aware that over the last year, year and a half, she's sort of serving um, in church now. She's really becoming part of community still lots of hard things in life but actually it's a real difference between I think knowing that God is real knowing that he's there knowing that he is alongside me and him being in me and him transforming my heart and and me being a temple that he now lives in um and yeah that that her life's just been transformed by that and I think that's That was the, we saw that over and over again um, in stories of women that we worked with who were incredibly broken and by all kind of worldly rights would have been that statistic of, you know, children being removed from their care or, um, you know, just ending up in really difficult situations. And we saw the power of God move and break through and that is a charity that's still going and they're still continuing to see that. And families, particularly that we 've worked with for a long time, still encountering the love of God through the power of the holy spirit um and and just their chains being broken and them being set free to live as God's made them to be. So good. Um,
1: we wanted to finish by um. Leaving just, just leaving the Holy Spirit space. Um, you might be sat in your living room, kind of having sat as a kind of consumer of church for the last little while. It's a bit more difficult to engage with a computer screen. But just know that the the Lord who came and met the disciples in their, we don't know which room, in the upper room, um, is here now. And he longs to show himself to you. Um, I, uh, uh, my dad was one of the trustees of Ellie's charity and he died a couple of years ago. But we were listening back to one of his, uh, his last Pentecost sermons in preparation for this. And he just said, he said this of um, the Holy Spirit. He said, I love it when I see lives changed. I love it when I see the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and God wants to put the finger of his spirit on our hearts. And my prayer, and this is my prayer for you and we're going to leave you space to, um, to, to receive that now. He said, my prayer is that your hearts would be on fire with the love of God. Amen.